Unpacked, where we discuss the pull of the past every week. I'm your host, Allison Treat. I'm an author of historical fiction and a freelance editor. Welcome to my show. Hello, readers. It's good to be with you again. Today, I'm sharing an interview I did quite a while ago. You guys can let me know if you think my interviewing skills have improved at all. Um, I'd be interested to know that. Janelyn Voigt is a storyteller who writes in several genres. Her Montana Gold historical romance series is based on actual historical events. Montana Gold explores faith, love, and courage in the Wild West. Janelyn has also written an epic fantasy series called Tales of Fair Raven, and that takes readers on adventures in a medieval story world. So at the time of this interview, um, Janelyn was working on the next series that's a spinoff of Montana Gold, and so we do talk about that a little bit. But I just have to let you guys know what happened, because I was feeling kind of bad for how long it took me to get this um, episode out. I had done the interview a while ago, and then I had other interviews that were the authors wanted to release around their books release, and it just, this one kind of... Um, got put on the back burner for a while. And um, I was thinking up until actually just a few minutes ago, when I looked it up, I was thinking that the first installment in the next series, which is called Montana Treasure, um, and the, the book is called The Promise Tree, I was thinking that had released in January. And I thought, I, here I am releasing this episode so long after the interview and also after the book's release. But I checked with Janelyn today to make sure I had the details correct, and they've changed the date of release. It's now releasing May 5th. On top of that, there is a pre-order discount going on right now. So this timing with this episode is actually perfect, and that's the kind of thing that I just cannot explain, except that God is in control of all things, even when I think that I messed up. So I am really excited to finally share this interview with you, and I hope that you will check out Janelyn's books because they sound so good. So here's my interview with Janelyn. Janelyn Voigt, welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. Thank you, Allison. It's nice to be here. You're an author of books in several different genres. For the purpose of this podcast, we'll focus on your historical novels. I understand you've written a series called Montana Gold. Can you tell us about that series? Oh, yeah. it's um, Montana Gold is set during Montana's Gold Rush, mm -hmm. which is a lot less known than uh, the one in San Francisco or up in the Klondike. Uh, and it's based the series is based on actual historical events uh, during a time of unrest that included outlaws, vigilantes, and conflicts with the Indians. And right. uh, Montana Gold follows the lives and loves of an Irish family that escaped the potato famine and the slums of Manhattan, and now they have to learn to survive in the Wild West. So are all the books about that family? Yes. Each book has a separate hero and heroine, uh, but they're all in the same family and interrelated, and all the characters appear uh, are introduced into the books. Basically, they don't all start in the first book. I overwhelm readers, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all included. 
Okay. I started reading the very first book called The Hills of Nevermore. Mm-hmm. It's intriguing. I want to read more. How did you come up with the idea for this book? It sort of came upon me, and it was a process of years. Um, I was on a anniversary trip with my husband in the Willapa Hills of Washington State, mm. and we stopped by this um, white-tailed deer preserve, and there was a slough coming in from the Columbia which I thought was a wild river all its own, but it was actually a channel from the river. And um, I, I was looking out across this beautiful landscape and worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And just because of the beauty of what he'd created and how untampered it was, um, it hadn't been touched, you know, since probably <laughs> the beginning of time. And into my head in that moment of worship came this title, and I knew it was the title at the time. It was Hills of Nevermore. Mm. And I had no idea what the story was about. It was really kind of perplexing. And part of the way home, I was occupied or preoccupied with um, trying to figure out, well, what where would that be located? Probably right there in the hills, uh, the Willapa Hills. Who would the characters be? And um, I couldn't come up with anything. My mind just cycled because I was doing it in my own self and not waiting for inspiration from God. And then Mm -hmm. uh, about two years later, we were on another trip and we went to... Uh, Yellowstone, and we were coming back through Montana, and had we we have a thing about ghost towns, my husband and I, and we stopped in Virginia City, Montana, which is your other Virginia City, not the one in Nevada. Um, we stopped at a gas station on this trip and picked up a brochure, and I read about it being the Montana. Montana Territorial Capital and about how the outlaws rode out from a place called Robber's Roost uh, mm. to the um, west a little ways, and um, they would uh, rob stagecoaches between Bannock and Virginia City. Bannock City is a ghost town in Montana uh, that mm. is still there today and is, um, I believe it's a state park, and we went there too later. Um And you can actually go in the buildings. I highly recommend visiting that one as an authentic uh, Wild West (laughs) ghost town that's still uh, pretty much in a preserved state. Wow. Kind of arrested decay. And you, yeah, you can go in the buildings and there are, there's tables and chairs and, oh, it's amazing, you know, dishes and like people just left. (laughs) And I guess they did back then. But anyway, Uh, so I thought I just had this moment where I was looking across the Bitterroot Valley, which is where this is, and uh, up into the mountains, distant mountains, and just picturing all of this. And I thought, I have to write a story here. And so suddenly, (laughs) the hills of Nevermore popped into my head. And I thought, it can't be here. There, there's not hills right here. There's 
well, maybe foothills later. Well, it turns out Bannock is, um, it's like this little town that's cupped in between hills. Um, and so when we visited Bannock, I thought, well, that's got to be it. <laughs> and it wasn't until later when I uh, wrote a, an entry for a contest uh, in order to apply for a scholarship to go to a writer's conference, I wrote this short story called Hills of Nevermore. And I think that was the inspiration I needed from the Lord because Hills of Nevermore, uh, it was um, the, the little excerpt, I guess is what you'd call it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, the um, there's a young child in it who... Uh, her grandmother was dying and she went to see her grandmother on her deathbed and her grandmother started talking to her about the hills of nevermore where there will nevermore be crying and weeping and sorrow. And I realized I've been searching for like three years (laughs) for the hills of nevermore and it was heaven. It was heaven. And so... Yeah, that was just struck me, and I and then it all came together, and I was able to write this book. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's um, unusual. It's I'm, every time I get a, a an idea for a story, it's a journey like that. But this one was really striking. Hmm. So from reading the beginning, I know it's about um, a young widow who has a baby, and she's on her way with a wagon train. Yeah to go west and and then there's an irish circuit preacher who's there yes Um, yeah and i actually i think those characters came to me as we were traveling home from yellowstone on that trip okay and um i was a single mom at one time Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking you know uh if my life gets settled, I am going to um, help other single moms. And mm. so part of my story uh, in the Hills of Nevermore is to reach out to those women and show them there is hope. You, um, you know, The theme of the, the whole book is whether or not you can sin so badly that you remove yourself from God's grace and, mm-hmm. and then he's after you. And that's how the heroine feels. And it was pretty much my journey. And, and so once I was able to see that, no, God forgives everything that we do when we repent and yes. turn to him, then I was able to write this story and help other women see the same thing. That's wonderful. I love it when we can write something from our own lives that ministers to others. Mm-hmm. And God takes the things that hurt us and takes our sorrows, and he, you know, he what he turns our sorrow into what is that dancing? <laughs> he turns our mourning into dancing. In mourning into beauty. Thank you. Yes, he does. I think it makes you realize you didn't go through it for nothing. Right. That helps too. So once you had the first book, did you know from the beginning that it was going to be a series or how did you develop it into a series? An editor from Harvest House at one point, in I, I followed his blog and he's a very kind person. And he invited all the authors who followed his blog posts to 
sent him a a one sheet, which is like this um, short, brief pitch for a series. And he would take a look at that and um, give you a reply. It was like his Christmas gift. And so I went, oh, okay, I've got to do Montana Gold and Hills of Nevermore is book one. So what's book two and book three? There's got to be at least three books. It turned out to be four total. And we're Mm -hmm. working on like a spinoff series now. (laughs) But at that time, I came up with the next book, Cheyenne Sunrise and Stagecoach to Liberty. Um, And he rejected it. (laughs) Oh, It wasn't right for his publishing house. You know, they write quilt stories and things. And this is very, um, very real, you know. Yeah. Um, Not that those aren't. No, I know what you mean, though. There's more raw uh, grit, maybe, in in the uh, Old West. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At that time, when you had developed the three book ideas, had you written The Hills? I'm sorry, I keep putting an article in front of it, but it's just Hills Um, of Nevermore. It's okay. I'd written about oh, 50 pages of it, which okay. I then heavily edited. <laughs> well, of course. Before I sent it off to him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I hadn't really, um, and actually how this story came, which is probably where we're headed, um, is I was invited to go and uh, present at the Missoula Book Festival uh, and represent Christian Publishing with uh, several other authors. I think there were four or five of us. And it it was by a mutual friend of Miralee Farrell. Mm-hmm. And um, she, um, my, she didn't have her car with her, and she kind of got sick, and my husband and I were driving her around and taking care of her. And she and I just, you know, struck up this friendship Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her about <laughs> this series, and you know, I said, "Why? Why are they rejecting it?" And she said, "Well, it's because she had a, the the heroine had a child out of, outside of wedlock, basically. Oh, and that won't fly in Christian publishing in the the traditional markets. Um, but I have no problem with it because she's repentant." You know, mm-hmm. um, and she gave me advice like that on the series. And Tracy Peterson was one of the authors too. And she uh, gave me advice too, which for which I was really grateful. Um, and she said basically, um, in traditional publishing, they use history as window dressing, and so you don't um, you don't want to explore history too deeply. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to do. <sighs> And so I was praying, Lord, how is this going to work out? You know? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It took several years later. And I actually finally, my agent said, I don't think she'd chopped it around to everyone. I don't think it's going to go. And Mm. you might have to give this up and write something else. And I said, well, all right. I guess I'll give it up. Because if it was from the Lord, he would have made it happen. But I still had this little spark in me that just said, Lord, if it's from you, <laughs> you know, m- make it work, please. And But I I did release it. And that seems to be a theme in my life. I have to release oh. something to get it back again. And 
I, I think it's because God knows I'll take ownership if he doesn't do that. <laughs> so anyway, um, Marilee Farrell went on to open a publishing house mm-hmm. and she was coming to a conference where I was speaking and I said, would you like to get together for coffee? And I wasn't even thinking about um, pitching my series to her. But then after we talked about that, I, I thought, well, I this little thought dropped into my head. I, I should pitch her my series to her. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I emailed her and I said, You don't want to you don't want me to pitch my series to you. <laughs> and she said she'd love me for me too. And it Aww. turns out it it's exactly the kind of book that she wanted to represent you know, in her publishing house. Right. Um, Redeeming Love is her, one of her favorite books. And that's a comparable story. Yes, it is. Yeah. So since you've talked a little bit about your career and your publishing success, I really want to know about your whole career, how you got started um, and how, uh, how long you've been writing, how you came into publishing and, and then at what point these historical novels came along. That's a long story, but yeah, well, I actually, <laughs> I told myself my own bedtime stories as a child. Oh. My father read classic books to me and mm-hmm. he would, uh, you know, chapters from them um, f- as bedtime stories. And then I would go to bed and I would think, well, how can it go? How w- What might happen in the story? And so it sparked my creativity and my love of literature. Uh, so mm-hmm. I credit my father. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, eventually I started writing my stories down, not just telling them to myself. Um, and in sixth grade, I had a teacher who uh, suggested that I go into writing. Um, and he actually lived, you know, he's passed away now, but he lived long enough to see the fruit of his uh, advice. You know, I, wow. I did. That was at the age of 12, I decided, oh, okay, I'm going to be a writer. It took mm-hmm. a few years after that for it to happen. Right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I had a career for a little while, but I was... Um, a different trying, career? Other, no, uh, other? excuse me, a writing career. Okay. Um, I, you know, I got into a Focus in the Family magazine. Oh, okay. And... Um, a couple other um, scripture press and uh, with magazine articles. Cause back in those days you broke in with magazines and then you wrote books. Yes. You know, it was like your rite of passage. And, um, and then I wrote an autobiography and I had, yeah, that's, I had a publishing house give me an author, an offer and, um, and then rescind it. Oh, <laughs> and no. it was um, would have been my first I had the contract yeah and then they they revoked the offer and so it just broke my heart and yes. I gave up writing <laughs> oh, I no. said I can't do this it's too painful yes and um, oh and I also had a right before that it had an editor at a writing conference tell me uh about the same manuscript uh that it was well written and it was in a style that was aimed at teenagers. It was in a style teens would enjoy, but the only problem was I wasn't famous, you know? Oh. <laughs> so combine those two things really combined to uh, discourage me. And yeah. so it took uh, several years 
And I backslid for a while from my Christian walk. And when I mm. returned from backsliding to the Lord, I said, I want the left, rest of my life to matter for you. And so tell me what you want to do, anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it popped into my head. I want you to write that story that you left a long time ago. And that was the book one of Tales of Fair Raven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, <laughs> same thing. And, um, and then I was on a bus, uh, a church bus. We were going on a field trip with my daughter and um, the, the woman in front of me turned around and said, you should write novels. You should go to Christian writers um, meeting, you know, a, a Christian writers group meeting. Uh, and she told me where to go. And I was like, why did she even say that? It just came out of the blue. And so <laughs> I went to the meeting and, you know, everybody seemed to have plans. And I was like, I was just happy to show up, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a while to get back into it and to get this story written. And at the time, people were saying, oh, don't write fantasy. It's a hard sell. Christian fantasy will not sell. <laughs> you know, Tolkien and Lewis wouldn't be able to survive today. Oh, my and goodness. I'm like, I have to do it because that's what the Lord dropped into my heart. I'm going to do it anyway. And so I did wind up with a publisher and I jumped too soon and signed with the first person who asked me. And it turned out not to be a good thing because Mm. uh, that publishing house decided they didn't want to publish Christian books anymore. And they started uncontracting their authors. And I had hired a publicist and... um, Oh, no. Yeah, and then like when instead of releasing my book, they uncontracted it. And so I was devastated. And like I said, this theme of giving up everything in order to get it back again, I've had to do this over and over. And um, a friend of mine who is a pastor, he had, um, he was published by the publisher of my, uh, of Tales of Fair Raven. And he um, recommended me to their uh, the editor in chief there, and um, they asked to see my contract, uh, my book, and I got a contract within three months mm. of losing one. And so that was that that story there, how that came to pass, right? And yeah, I've had to learn to let go. I guess that mm-hmm. would be the biggest message in my life. Because every time, even like with Hills of Nevermore, when I was trying to get that plot, trying to understand it, you know, it wasn't, but it was several years later that it happened and it had nothing to do with me. And the same thing with merely uh, publishing it. You know, I was trying to find a publisher so hard and, and then it just happened and I never have planned any of it. Yes. I think God mean, meant it that way too. That's interesting. So does it make you feel like you shouldn't have tried so hard? Yes. You should have rested oh. and waited or? Yes. <laughs> this is my besetting sin. You know, I have to, uh, or my besetting flaw, maybe. Mm. Uh, it can lead to sin. But yeah, I do have a tendency to want to jump in, in my own strength and forget to wait for God. I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's sometimes it's hard to know because we need to write the book 
And it's hard to know how much. I I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. And it's very hard because writers have this (laughs) drive to be published. We just do. And it's because Mm -hmm. we're communicators. So we need to communicate. We need someone to hear us in order to. Right. Yeah. It's like that thing about does a, a tree that falls in the forest make a sound if no one's there to hear it. Right. <laughs> we feel like we, trees in the forest. <laughs> anyway, yes. We, yeah, we want the um the reader to like complete the the circuit and and hear what we're to read what we've written and get our message. So And there's nothing wrong with that drive. It's put into us. Mm-hmm. You know, but we have to learn discipline with it. Uh, and yes. we have to learn patience. And Even that, harder than discipline, I think. <laughs> oh, they go hand in hand too, right? Yes. Because if you have, if you learn patience, then you have to exercise discipline to avoid uh, making mistakes. Like I did signing with the wrong publisher. If I mm-hmm. would have just had the strength of mind to go, there's something that doesn't feel right about this. Um, I wouldn't have done it and I would have spared myself a lot of pain. Um, you know, so. Right. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. So then by the time Mira Lee wanted to publish your Montana Gold series with Mountain Brook Inc. is the name of her yes. publishing house. By the time you got to that point, you had already had a fantasy series published. Is that right? Or oh, oh no! <laughs> um, I got I got sick in the middle of writing my fantasy series oh, and no. um, had kind of a serious illness that um, made it so I couldn't complete the series for a few years. Mm. And so when I had that contract with Merely, contract offer with her, I was still. I still had two books to go for Tales of Fair Raven, and I was writing one of them. Uh, and so I thought, well, I can go ahead and do. I can have contracts with two separate publishers. There's no problem with that. They're they don't they're not competing with each other. And so I went ahead and signed with Merely, and. Um, she even asked me how much or when do you want to begin? And I was so eager. I was like, oh, right away. <laughs> I think I told her six months later. But, you know, um, yeah, I actually went through two years of a very, very difficult time getting all those books out um, mm. because I had to... Um, Hills of Nevermore and the Montana Gold series is very detailed in its historical research and uh, intricate in its plot. And actually, um, I did research Tales of Fair Raven. I, I researched um, uh, 14th century Europe oh, wow. uh, for that series. I'd already done that research. I already knew the world. But it was still very intricate and detailed because I can't seem to write a simple story. I have to write epics. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was tough. I mean, saying that I was writing two books a year is sounds easy, but not when you're writing at this level, you know. And not when they're such different books. Like if you're writing in the same time period, you you kind of learn to know that time period and 
you don't have to do as much research for subsequent books. Yeah, and I I'm a stickler for research. Mm. Even to where in the beginning it could be paralyzing. Like I couldn't write anything because I was afraid of getting something wrong. I don't know if you experienced that as a historical yes. yeah, fiction author. You eventually get over that and, and right. Mm-hmm. Because you're writing about a past world and it's not much different from writing about a fantasy world because you're creating it. You just have a little more to go on with the historical fiction. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little more about your Montana Gold series. I, Being from the East Coast, I knew that Irish immigrants settled in East Coast cities, but I didn't realize that they also traveled out West. Um, but you have, I didn't realize when I was reading um, the beginning of Hills of Nevermore that, that you have a whole Irish family in there because I had just noticed the one. Mm-hmm. character and then i saw in the description of of the next i think it was the next book has also has an irish character um so how did you discover that you said it was based on real events so it, were there real immigrants that you found out about or how did you discover that that um you know irish immigrants had traveled west with the gold rush in montana i had this vague uh, knowledge of this somehow that not about the gold rush, mm-hmm. but they were there. That that yes. surprised me. That was one of those strange things that you discover as you're writing. You know, one of those um, those things that let you know you're not completely in control. <laughs> that God has put <laughs> right. it there in your heart, and uh, because I didn't know about that, but what I did know was that the Irish in America were. Uh, they're not like, they weren't viewed like we see them today. Today, we all want to be Irish on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> right. Back then, nobody wanted to be Irish. And yes. even like my lead character in Hills of Nevermore is a little bit uh, nervous about being Irish because there was a great deal of prejudice against them. Mm-hmm. And this is a theme that appears in all of my fiction. Uh, prejudice and um, healing from it, I guess you would say. And mm. it's um, my father was a half uh, Meskwaki Indian, and I saw what he went through, and he told me what he had gone through, you know, with prejudice. Yeah, when I was a child, and so it stuck in my head, I guess, and. It seems to be my mission just to write stories. Even even my uh, fantasy stories are about classes of being that are at odds with one another and have to come to peace in order to defeat a common foe. And so it just crops up. And, and so I think I wanted to show in this series, I wanted to show the Indians as they really were. Um, mm. I wanted to show the Wild West as it really was, too. There's this mythos, you know. Yes. And when I was a kid, we, my father and I would watch Westerns, Western movies, and, mm. you know, they'd be shooting the Indians off the horses, like, you know, mm. they're just a bunch of pests. And I, I was like, no. <laughs> <sighs> I want to show that they were real people. Yes. And so I think that's why I chose the Irish 
uh, to feature them because it was a way of uh, contrasting the prejudice between uh, the races. And in fact, one of the Irish uh, characters doesn't like when his sister wants to marry um, half Cheyenne. Mm. <laughs> and he has to get over his own prejudice about this. So it was um, just exploring that issue, I think, is why I brought in the Irish. And also, I don't think people are as aware today, as I mentioned, um, about what the Irish went through. Right. So was there an actual real family that you based your Irish family on? No. Um, they were it just kind of, it was more a an illustration of mm -hmm. the Irish, what they went through. Uh, they came over. It, I was really interested in um, Sheriff oh, Plummer. There you go. I forgot his name for a moment. <laughs> Sheriff Plummer. Uh, he, there were some dramatic events in Bannock around Sheriff Plummer. And uh, there was uh, an outlaw gang involved and that kind of thing. And so I wanted to feature that in Hills of Nevermore. And uh, it just so happened that and this is another one of those things that you realize you're not in control completely. Uh, but the yeah. Irish potato famine occurred within uh, a time frame that would cause a child who had been born and, and, and a child who came over to the United States during the potato famine to be an adult now, uh, mm. right at that time of my story. And wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's cool. It, it seemed like it was meant to be. Yes, totally. Okay. So I understand you already mentioned you'll be releasing a new series, a spinoff of Montana Gold. How did you get the idea for the new series? That one popped into my head um, as I was finished with book four of Montana Gold and deciding whether, you know, we'd contracted four books no, I think we contracted three and then added a fourth. That's what we did. And then um, I was like, well, I should probably, what am I going to do next? I should think about that. And it just popped into my head at that moment that I should write the stories of the children from Montana Gold. Oh, wow. And that would, yeah, that would help me to enable me to go through history a little further, um, the history of Montana. When exactly was the Montana Gold Rush? Hills of Nevermore uh, begins in 1863. Am I right? I've got it right here. Let me take a look. <laughs> 1863 was uh, when gold was discovered. I believe it was 63 or 62 gold was discovered in um, Bannock City. Okay. So and close to the same time as the San Francisco Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, Sheriff Plummer did come over from the San Francisco area to Montana. Okay. So, yeah. Montana. So, Montana Treasure is then about their children. Mm -hmm. Can you give us like your elevator pitch for the first book in, in Montana yeah. Treasure? Um, oh, The Promise Tree is the first book. And mm -hmm. um, Liberty is the daughter, is the Irish daughter. Uh, Jake is. Uh, is Liberty's best friend until he ruins everything by kissing her. 
it would never work with him because he's always finding himself in trouble. And as a preacher's daughter, Liberty needs to marry someone respectable. And mm. so she has preacher's kid syndrome. <laughs> she needs everything to look right. Okay. So I noticed um, in the first series in Montana Gold, a few of the books have something to do with Liberty. There was a, a character named Liberty and there's, um, it's also in the title in the Stagecoach to Liberty book. Um and now you're telling me the new series, there's also a character named Liberty. What was your purpose in, it's almost like you're personifying that. Um, element. <laughs> element, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of the right, right word. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but I just knew that uh, the heroine of Hills of Nevermore needed to be named America. And oh, mm. before I say any more about that series, I should mention that my fantasy series is allegorical fiction. And I don't even, as I was writing that those books, it wasn't until later that I realized some of the allegory in it because oh. it just comes, you know, it's just my gifting is allegory. And when I teach, I'm a teacher, um, not a, not in the school system, but just, I have a gift for teaching. And when I illustrate right. something, I'm always illustrating with a parable or, you know, allegory. So that's oh, my interesting. Thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Uh, America and her daughter's name is Liberty, you know? So I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but I know that America's freedom is our, our nation's freedom is on my heart. Um, and so America, I'm oh, sorry. Was America was America's middle name Liberty? Mm -hmm. America then, Liberty Reed. Yes. Okay. And then um, her daughter's name is Liberty. Okay. Yeah, they named her. She gave her her middle name. Right. So that's the first the character in the first book of the next series. Then. Mm -hmm. So, are you completely engrossed in this next series that you're writing? Or are you writing other things as well? I am right now in between edits. <laughs> I I sent my fr um, the first book. I sent the edits back to Merrily, and then I will receive them shortly. I'm sure <laughs> mm -hmm. with um, with further notes that I'll need to address. So that's where I'm at. But I also have a. Uh, a Deceptive Tide, which is a romantic suspense novel I'm writing in cooperation with two other authors who are indie oh, wow. authors um, going. I, I basically have beta edits to do for it because when mm -hmm. you do indie projects, you um, tend to, uh, you don't always hire a professional editor, but you send it to uh professional writers or, or professionals in the publishing industry and they will look it over and uh, and give you their notes and then you go through and do the edits and one of them is an English teacher so <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing her notes <laughs> right I'm sure they'll be very helpful right so I'm kind of working back and forth on those two things okay and I have I'm thinking about a future fantasy series. 
So what are you hoping readers will get out of your books? Um, well, with Montana Gold, maybe it is freedom, because I do explore freedom in different ways. And there's freedom in the Lord, too. Yes. Um, but I have each book asks a question, like um, Hills of Nevermore is, can we sin so badly we put ourselves outside God's love? Mm-hmm. And Cheyenne Sunrise is, why does God allow innocent people to suffer? Um, I definitely um, uh, like the hard questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, do I really have to make that the theme? But they kind of, <laughs> sometimes they pop into my head and sometimes they show up in the story. Um, and then uh, Stagecoach to Liberty is what is true freedom. And mm-hmm. then the Forever Sky, which is book four is when your dreams die, how do you go on? Mm. And so all of it is about freedom. Mm -hmm. So that would be what I would hope that people take. Um, Each book has a different heroine, like um, a different representation from the Old West. Mm -hmm. Book one, Heels of Nevermore, is about a woman who was on a homestead. Uh, and had to endure some things there. And then um, book two is about an Irish widow who was abused by her husband and never wants to marry again. Mm-hmm. And she needs freedom from that. And then book three is Stagecoach to Liberty is about a young Hessian woman who is lured to America by soul merchants and, um, those were unscrupulous people who actually found out about the hurdy-gurdy girls in the in Europe, in Hesha, who um, they had become kind of famous. Uh, they would play their hurdy-gurdies and sing in order uh, to sell brooms that their family made by hand during a hard time in their country. Mm. And so unscrupulous people heard about them and brought them over to the old West to play for the miners. And then some of them fell into prostitutions. And so, oh. yeah, that book is about freedom from uh, people who are actually trying to turn her into a prostitute. Right. Uh, and then the forever sky is um, about freedom from um, unforgiveness and learning to hmm. forgive, really. Okay. So what has drawn you to writing historical fiction? How do you think that learning about history through story helps us approach life today? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a big question. Yes, um, it is. I am from uh, Alvarado Niles, a uh, uh, Union City, a town close to Alvarado Niles. And I remember walking home from high Is that, school. where is that? in? Oh, that's in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. To put it more specifically. Right. And um, I remember walking home from high school and seeing tumbleweeds blowing across the street. Mm. And... Because Alvarado hyphen Niles, I think it was in Niles. There are two different uh, semi ghost towns almost that were next mm. to each other. 
Um, and there was this building that Charlie Chaplin had made films in that I got to pass. And I think I just picked up a deep feeling of history. I was born in Stockton, California and land of the big Valley, you know, with the Barclays and, um, that, that TV show. And I think that's where I, I just sort of picked up this love of history. Uh, and I'm able to share it with others. I, I really, my, my goal is to preserve history, my life goal, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. that's why I'll go to ghost towns and take pictures of them, uh, as they were when I visited them and writing historical fiction helps me preserve heritage. Basically, I think that's what I'm after is to show some sort of depth in our life because in our living, because our culture is so shallow and Mm -hmm. yet we can gain so much depth of living from connecting with the past Mm-hmm. I'm kind of passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Another way I like to um, cook historical food. Oh, neat. And share recipes. You know, some of my blog posts at Mountain Brook Inc. are um, historical uh, foods that I've cooked and uh, share recipes about. Neat. So when you're um, when you're writing a book, do you try to cook something from that? book or something they might have made in Um, that time that you're writing about? Well, my, um, the books all have cooking in them (laughs) because (laughs) I love cooking and there's usually a character who does. Sometimes there's a character who doesn't like to cook, but, um, there's always like a really good cook who makes recipes. And Mm -hmm. for instance, in the, um, stagecoach to Liberty, Elsa, is a heroine and she is a Hessian woman. So I get to explore historical Hessian food and describe it. And uh, (laughs) I really need to provide more recipes for people because, you know, things like uh, um, beehive cake and things like that are so, they sound so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And uh, with the Hills of Nevermore, I explored, um, uh, Oregon Trail food. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was bacon stew in there, you know, and things like Mm. that. Uh, It's interesting. Part of, I think, part of history um, that makes us connect with others is just eating the same food that they might have eaten. Right. Totally. So it was fun talking to you, Janelyn. Can you tell me where listeners can find your books? They can go to my website at com, and I'll spell that J-A-N-A-L-Y-N-V-O-I-G-T.com backslash Montana hyphen gold. And mm. I have links to where all the books are offered. Great. And what's the best way for them to follow you? Um, I actually like to connect with people through my email uh, newsletter. Mm. I do have a Facebook group too. uh, Okay, good. That is... uh, (laughs) I can link to all of that. Um, But they can probably get to your newsletter at your website as well, right? Yeah, I think it's backslash newsletter. We'll get them to the sign up. That's what I was trying to type in. Because I'm actually not as... um, I do social media. I like Pinterest. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm Janelyn Voigt, my name at Pinterest, and Voigt has no H in it. Okay. Um, and yeah, it is backslash newsletter. So if okay. anyone wants to, they like that type of um, story and they would like me to notify them of releases. And I also, I'm going to get into putting those recipes up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that would be a wonderful um, a reader magnet if you would offer recipes for people who've read your books. I bet they would come sign up in order to get recipes. Yeah. Well, it was great to talk to you today, Janel, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you, and I really appreciated it. So guys, as I told you at the beginning, The Promise Tree releases May 5th, 2021. Make sure you go pre-order it. You can find links to all the books as well as Janelyn's um, social media and website in the show notes, which are at alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash B-L-O-G. So friends, if you are enjoying Historical Fiction Unpacked, please subscribe or follow the podcast in whatever app you use to listen to it. And if you guys could leave a star rating or review in Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing and it would help the podcast to grow. Also, I would love it if you would follow me on Instagram and check out my author page on Facebook and also join our Facebook podcast group. It's called Historical Fiction Unpacked Podcast Group. If you can find that and ask to join, I would love to have you join us and talk about the podcast when they release. You can make suggestions for future guests. I just want to get the word out about this podcast and um, share it with as many people as possible who love historical fiction. You guys, I just loved Janelyn's heart for history and her heart for liberty and freedom. So I'm going to leave you with a quote from Benjamin Franklin about liberty. And I think it's especially interesting in light of the world we live in today. He said, they who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. So that's all for this week, my friends. I'll talk to you again next week.